how to show up with Coca-Cola energy. You're tired and you're thinking of canceling on your friends. Don't do it! Every time you cancel on a friend, a unicorn loses its horn and becomes a regular horse. Do you really want that on your conscience? Instead, grab an ice-cold can of Coca-Cola energy with delicious Coke taste and reinvigorating energy. Keep the unicorns alive! Show up every day with Coca-Cola energy. Energy you want, taste you love. Live from the Wolf Construction Roofing Studio, it's Jimmy B and TC on 1700 KBGG. Sponsored by Wolf Construction Roofing. All right, everybody, it's our final hour here on a uh, gloomy Monday. Golly, I just hope I come in tomorrow and I see something in the sky that I haven't seen in, like, weeks. (laughs) It's called the sun. I would love to see the sun. Get this rain out of here. This is just like living in Seattle or Portland or Vancouver, British Columbia. Man, oh, man, this has been lousy. Absolutely lousy. You know, it's always... uh, fun when we get uh evan western on the show everybody calls him tex because of tex western um he uh covers the green bay packers and they are the uh local team that we uh hadn't got really gotten into yet today so right now it's time for uh tex and he uh, just dropped off he did i'll get him back okay call him back jeez louise what we got we got to talk to the management here I mean, our equipment is like 1923. It was fine till you came back. <laughs> you were gonna say that. It was no, no problems. No problems whatsoever. See, that's two why, weeks. That's why. Perfect. That's why I don't hang out and do technology things. Stuff happens when I'm around it. Hey, I, I, I struggle on the iPad. I struggle to text on a flip phone. You struggle. In I just struggle. I just struggle. You struggle at life. Yeah, I do. Yeah, that's probably more like. It. Luckily, that's not the case with our man Evan Tex Wester with us on the Draft House Fifty Hotline. My man, my man Tex. What's going on, Evan? Yo, Evan. Hello, Evan. Did I do it again? I I didn't touch it. I don't know what's going on. Oh, he just I clicked off. I... Lost him again. That's unbelievable. All right, we'll try him one more time. And see if we can get him. That's nuts. And the phone had been working well all day today until this. And I swear to you folks that I am not near the phone. It's over by Trent, where it belongs, and not near me. I know that one time where I tried to answer on all of our phone calls and people were calling in on a contest, I like disconnected like 10 people. So I basically stay away from the phone. It just doesn't, me and technology doesn't mix. Just doesn't. And I don't know why. I'm a nice guy. I got short, stubby fingers. I can hit the keys okay. I have no idea. And everybody laughs at me. And I say, hey, look, I I really don't want to touch anything. Oh, you're so stupid, Jimmy. You can't. You can't do anything. No, I can do no, things. No, that's true. That's true. That's true. <laughs> I can do. That's true. I can do stuff. It just doesn't work when I do it. That's the problem. That's amazing. And now we can't get them back. Right? Made the connection. And and we'll see if we. Uh, all right. So we got them on hold. 
I'm going to let you introduce him because I've hosed him three times. Evan, what's up? Hey, guys. How we doing? Hey! hey, hey. <laughs> Off to a rousing start wow. this hour. What's well, that going was quality, on, Evan? That was quality radio at its finest. <laughs> yeah. What's uh, going who on? knows what's going on here? Uh, <laughs> well, uh, let's get into it here. The Packers with some... Uh, well, we've talked about this in the past. Didn't do a whole lot in free agency. Martellus Bennett, and that was about it. No first-round draft pick as they traded down. Let's start right there. Thursday night after trading down to pick number 33. Your takeaway from that decision from Ted Thompson? Well, it was interesting because the initial reaction from a lot of Packers fans in Wisconsin was just devastation that they traded down and didn't get T.J. Watt out of Wisconsin. But... You know, I think the value was great. They had a guy in Kevin King that they had on their board that they really liked. They targeted him. And then, look, you get the pick out of that trade at the beginning of the fourth round. It ends up turning into Vince Beagle, who I think is also going to be a really nice pass rusher as well. So for in terms of value, I think they did a great job moving back, getting that extra pick. And uh, I think they got two really, really solid players coming out of it, both of them really athletic guys that are definitely going to be able to help this defense. All right, but yet the fan base screams because they didn't do anything dramatic. Yeah, and that's uh, that's that's you know that's Ted's mo. He he's going to stick to his board. Um, he didn't really seem to have Watt rated as highly as some of these other teams, and and Watt certainly ended up in a great position in Pittsburgh. He'll he'll be in a great spot with a good defense to to develop in. But um, they needed size, they needed speed at all levels of the defense. Kevin King certainly brings that, and uh, and Beagle fills that need as well. Well, uh, Evan, when we talked last week, we joked a little bit. We knew it was going to happen because it happens every year with Ted Thompson. He's going to draft a defensive lineman. He does it again. Uh, Montrevious Adams in round three, pick number 93 out of Auburn. Your thoughts on him? I just love the guy because he wore number one in college. Yeah, you don't see too many 300-pounders wearing number one, <laughs> right. so that's fun just watching the highlight reel. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, what he brings is, is definitely some pass rush ability on the inside. I think you'll see him used in the nickel and dime when they go to a two-man defensive line. Um, they'll use him as one of those interior pass rushers. And I just love the story that he had, too, because he took the phone call from the Packers on Friday uh, in the hospital room right after uh, his baby boy was born. So just, just a couple hours after that. You, you can't beat that. That, that day is going to be hard to top for him. But, uh, yeah, on the field, I think he's going to definitely provide some, some extra interior pass rush. Put him next to Mike Daniels and let those two guys go to work. Yeah, last year it was uh, Kenny Clark that they got late in the first round uh, to help that defensive tackle position. You mentioned Mike Daniels, the former Hawkeye up there. Feeling pretty good about that defensive line as a whole now? Yeah, I think we're feeling pretty solid. The addition of Ricky Jean-Francois uh, mm-hmm. in free agency, I think, really helps as far as uh, being a run stuffer. So it made sense that they would look at a guy with a little more pass rush ability uh, in the draft instead. So I, I think Latroy Guyon's days are numbered in Green Bay. He's had all the off-the-field issues. I think this is probably um, probably a sign that he's probably going to end up getting let go. But I think you've still got a good five, six-man rotation. Um, young, you know, young players with Clark and Dean Lowry from Northwestern last year and, and now with Adams. And then you've got some veterans with Jean-Francois and certainly Daniels. That's a good rotation, I think. Uh, no doubt about that. And you're looking uh, at that spot, feeling pretty good. The Packers always seem to find guys that just fit up there, what they want to do defensively, always finding the right pieces up front with the front seven. Uh, with that, I uh, want to get your thoughts. You mentioned at the top there Vince Beagle, uh, the disappointment from some Packer fans that they don't get Watt there. But 
you look at the numbers and, and you look at some of the production of both of these guys, I mean, the difference seems so minute between Beagle and between Watt and what they were able to do in college, and you're getting one as opposed to late in the first round. You get them in the fourth round. Seems like a slam dunk, and I'm going to guess there's going to be plenty of uh, Packers jersey sold with Beagle on the back. <laughs> yeah, you've got that right. Um, he's. I'm already looking at seeing when they're going to they're going to put him up for sale. But uh, um, no, he he was a great production, you know, outside linebacker his whole career. He was a big time recruit coming out of high school, Wisconsin native from Wisconsin Rapids. So he's just an hour and a half down the road from Green Bay. So you know he's loving it. You know, growing up a cheesehead himself. So that's a great start. But, but yeah, as far as the production on the field, he's a more polished uh, prospect as far as playing linebacker goes. Watt only played two years of linebacker after moving over from tight end, whereas Beagle's been a linebacker all his life. So I think you're looking at a guy who's got a little bit more polish on him to start, and I think that helps him project as a contributor earlier on. I think you'll see him probably as the third guy in that rotation behind uh, Nick Perry and Clay Matthews on the outside. I think you got to slot him in probably ahead of J. Ron Elliott and Tyler Fackrell right off the bat just because of how polished he is at that position. We're talking Packers right now. Evan Tex Western on the Draft House 50 Hotline, Mill Civic Parkway, West Des Moines. Refresh my memory. At the end of the season, didn't a certain QB in a Packers uniform kind of go off on the front office and when he did, obviously it had little or no effect on the front office. Is that fair? Yeah, I think, um, yeah, certainly Rogers said, you know, he made the comments about going all in and wanting to, to do a little bit more in free agency. And I don't know that that, that really impacted what the Packers were going to do, but I think they already kind of had ideas that they wanted to do a little bit more this year anyway. So, you know, it, it certainly has worked out, I think, to Rodgers' benefit. Obviously, the signing of Martellus Bennett is going to be a, a great move for, for the tight end position, for the middle of the field. Uh, Lance Kendricks will bring a little bit of uh, a beef to that tight end position. So, so that'll be a little bit of fun. We'll see a lot more different formations with those two guys on offense this year than we have in the past. And I think that sets up Rodgers well, too. Um, you know, certainly he's, he's so good at scanning the field and diagnosing defenses and finding the open guy that you put some more physical mismatches out there, and, uh, and that's just going to open up more options for him. So it, it worked out. I don't know that he really had much influence on it. I think it was something they were going to do anyway, though. You know, uh, he, they went out late in the draft and brought in a whole bunch of guys trying to hit that lottery ticket. Mm-hmm. Ty Montgomery back uh, after he'll get a full offseason of working at the running back position. But they draft three different guys. Jamal Williams, very productive at BYU. Had to sit out a year because it's BYU, and he, uh, well, he went against the honor code. He had a girl in his room. Yeah. Oh, man, a 21-year-old guy <laughs> with a girl in his room in college. That's a no-no at yeah, BYU. Apparently it is. Just your thoughts on the running back position, starting with Williams, Aaron Jones from uh, UTEP, and then late in the seventh round they get Devontae Mays from Utah State. Your thought on those guys? Yeah, it's interesting that all three of those guys are very different types of runners and have very different body styles. Um, Williams reminds me a little bit of James Starks in that he's a taller guy. He's kind of a slasher. Um, then you've got Aaron Jones, who is very much in the Jonathan Franklin mold. He's a smaller guy, more of a receiving back. Um, look at him as a, a pass blocker and a, and a guy catching the ball out of the backfield. And then Mays is your kind of bowling ball. You know, he's 5'10", he's 230. You know, he's just going to run right through you. So it's going to be interesting to see how they use all three of them within the Packers offense. I think Jones very much is uh, kind of an analog to how they want to use Ty Montgomery in the passing game, use him on third downs. 
But um, I really like the Williams pick. I think he, he kind of runs angry, and, and I think that's going to be something that'll be fun to watch, especially when they go into those two tight end formations. Get some, some nasty blockers in front of him, get him slashed up the middle of the defense. It'll be fun to watch, but um, it's almost looking like the Patriots mold, the way they have mm-hmm. so many different types of running backs, and they use them in different ways. And I think that'll be, really be something that Mike McCarthy is excited to have at his disposal this season. Does that mean then the offense is going to get tweaked? Yeah, I think so. Um, again, formations are going to be very different. I think you'll see uh, Martellus Bennett. You know, he'll, he'll have have him split out um, in the slot. You'll have him on the line. You'll probably have him in the backfield a little bit. So certainly, he brings you some versatility. Kendricks does as well. Um, and I, I think you do see Ty Montgomery moving around a lot. You'll probably still see him line up in the slot once in a while. Maybe even you know motion out of the backfield, motion out wide. So certainly, he'll be kind of all over the formation. Um, so I think there'll be definitely some some different wrinkles this year than you've seen the last couple of years out of Green Bay. And uh, also, we talked about defensive line seemingly every year with Ted Thompson. Same thing at wide receiver. Went after a couple of uh, wild cards, a couple of bigger receivers. A uh, guy that we saw a lot play at Purdue, D'Angelo Yancey. Not sure if he'll have the speed that'll translate to the next level, but a big-bodied guy that made a lot of plays for Purdue with some pretty poor quarterback play. And then Malachi Dupree from LSU, another big physical guy. Just hoping to hit on one of these guys, I guess? Yeah, it, in, at the end of day three, you're looking at lottery tickets, like you said. Um, Yancey's interesting to me because, again, I keep going to the back of these comparisons, but he reminds me a lot of another former Packer in James Jones. Big, strong guy. You know, he's built really big. Um, you know, not, not real fast, but good, strong hands. So I think that's a, that's an interesting comparison. You'll see him line up out wide. And I really love the Dupree pick in, in the seventh round because mm-hmm. I think he's got some real good tools. He had terrible, terrible quarterback play uh, at LSU. And so if, if he can kind of put it all together, I think they could really land a steal with him. Um, so I, I look for, for those guys, both of them, to, to make the roster or at least make the practice squad. And um, I, I hate to say it for some Packers fans out there, I think you're seeing the end of Jeff Janis in Green Bay. I just think he's going to be the victim of a numbers game, and there's going to be too many other bodies out there that are, that are going to contribute on offense for, for him to maintain a roster spot just because of his special teams play. We always have you on, about, on Green Bay, and that is your specialty, but you're well-rounded in the NFL, right? Oh, yeah, of course. <laughs> okay. Then I want to ask you this. Because I don't think I've seen this in quite a while, where the Buffalo Bills, after they do their draft, fire the general manager, and Doug Whaley, and then they fire yeah. their scouting staff as, as well. I mean, the very next day. Why, why did I, they, I, why, I, Yeah, can you explain that at all or not? No, absolutely <laughs> not. I have no idea what's going on there. The only thing I can think of is if the... You know, if the front office gave, or the, the owners gave the, the front office a, a requirement that you need to get one of the, the top three or four quarterbacks and then watch them trade down out of that 12 spot right. um, and let Houston sneak up there and, and get him, or, or if it was Kansas City, whichever, whichever yeah, trade Houston, they made. Houston got um, Deshaun Watson, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so, so that's the only thing that I can think of is, is if the ownership really wanted one of those top three quarterbacks and, and they had him in their grasp and they decided to move out and, and give him to somebody else. That's the only thing that makes any sense to me. And even so, um, you know, doing it the day after the draft just, just completely blew my mind. It's, <laughs> it, it, it really is inexplicable. It screams Buffalo Bills management. Man, that's it what, does. That's what it screams. Oh, Hey, uh, before we let you go, just want to get your take on the rest of the NFC North, what you uh, thought 
the Bears have been uh, widely laughed at and criticized about what they did there, moving up from three to two and what they had to give up. The Vikings and the Lions, just kind of an overview on the other mates there in the NFC North. Yeah, I thought it was interesting that uh, for, for Minnesota in particular that they moved up and, and took Del- Delvin Cook um, after you know, bringing in uh, a running back in, in free agency in Latavius Murray. So that'll be an interesting thing to watch to see how the, how the snaps are broken down between those two guys. Um, as far as Chicago goes, yeah, I think uh, everybody north of the, the Wisconsin-Illinois border is, is pretty amused by how that whole thing turned out yeah. at, at number two. Especially when uh, you know you, you start reading about the reports from San Francisco about how they weren't thinking about him at number two, and they really didn't take a whole lot of other calls from other teams about trying to trade up for him. Mm-hmm. So, um, and, and and you know, yeah, you you if you're a player away, if you had a great defense and, and a great re- you know rest of that team, I could un- almost understand moving up for that quarterback. But they've got a lot of other holes they need to fill. They could have used those third and fourth round picks. Uh, on some some real good players this year that could fill some holes on their team. So I think they really kind of mortgaged a little bit of the the next couple of years on on getting a long term shot at a, a a franchise quarterback. And obviously, if it if it hits, then nobody will remember those picks that they left out. But right, um, I'm I'm skeptical about it to to, to be sure. Um, I do like what Detroit did a little bit. I think um, Tabor, the corner from from Florida. Mm-hmm. I think he really fell down boards a little bit just because he didn't run very well at the combine and in pro days and things. But his tape is really good. Um, I, I think he'll make a pretty good combo with Darius Slay on the outside. So that's certainly a, a, a good area. And then uh, J- Jared Davis, the linebacker, I think he's a real nice player for the middle of that defense as well. He's a, a fast guy. He can cover exactly the kind of linebacker you want in today's NFL. So I think the Lions did, did a pretty good job as well. Um, Again, Minnesota, interesting moves with the running back, and yeah, we'll see in Chicago. <laughs> we were we were just talking. A friend of ours, Chris Andrews from the South Point uh, in Las Vegas, he comes on the show and does numbers for us. They released their totals, and on their total, they had Chicago five, five wins or less or more, five for the Bears. I'll take Ooh. the under. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Trent's already cashed it in. Yeah, I can't say I blame you on that one. That's a that's a pretty low number, but I don't I don't I don't see them getting there. Wow, well, Evan is always good catching up with you. Great talking, uh, little Packers here on a Monday. Hope everything goes well, and I'm sure we'll be talking uh, a time or two throughout this summer leading up to August camp. All right, we're back here, Jimmy B and TC. Mister Brinson's been away for a few weeks. That was just a couple days. Yeah, a couple days. You, you, you my do time. Not, you do not tell time very my, well. My timeline. My timeline. But uh, you kind of missed a lot. So I want to throw a couple of things at go you. Go right we'll, ahead. We'll go kid. back and forth here. Okay. Got some games coming up tonight. We'll talk about that yep. as well. But uh, start with Iowa Spring football. Mm-hmm. Uh, we talked earlier in the show with Tom Caker. Always good catching up with Tom. Right. And, you know, as we've talked with him throughout the weeks, it, it's just such a big surprise to me. And we talked about the quarterback position. Sure. Before he left and, and leading up the first couple of weeks of yeah. spring practice. And it was Nathan Stanley's oh, job. Yeah, it was his. And we go out that Friday night at Valley. He's taking the first snip. I don't. Th- I didn't read anything into that. Did you no, at that time? No, uh-uh, not at all. And then they go out and they play two weeks later the spring game over at Kinnick. And it's, it's a real battle. It is now. So what does that say to you? It, te- it-, it tells me two things. A, that Stanley 
is not hasn't progressed like they thought he would, but he never got any playing time anyway, mm-hmm. except mop up in the the bowl game that was over at halftime. Well, he against came Florida. in the North Dakota State game when he, Beathard got hurt. Yeah, he did that. And okay, threw that nice yeah. wheel route right away. Yeah, he Kittle. did. But but had the one drive. That's that's it. Right. But Uyghurs must have done something in the during the course of the season. To improve his mechanics, his knowledge of what they want to do offensively, maybe he's all of a sudden, maybe Tyler Wiggers has just all of a sudden hit a comfort level. You know how that goes. You can be uncomfortable for weeks trying to get a grasp of everything and you don't feel like you're really in the mix. You're not in the flow of what you need to do. And then sometimes the light switch just goes on. A lot of times it doesn't, but sometimes it does. And to me, that's maybe what has happened here. For Uyghurs, the switch got flipped, Mm -hmm. and he's pretty comfortable now in his own skin and what he's supposed to do out there. Well, and a pretty decorated guy coming out of high school. Yeah, yeah. It wasn't like he was a schlump. Right. He was a four-star guy. He was committed for a long time to Rutgers, and he had other Power 5 offers. You know, we're not talking about just some walk-on. Right, yeah. You know, that's that's holding a spot here. This is a guy that was pretty talented himself, and and I think you bring up a good point with maybe the light bulb just coming in. Sure. You know, you go back to last August when Stanley took that backup job, and we were so surprised by that happening because... Well, hey, I mean, you expect a guy to come in, redshirt, even if he's the quote-unquote backup. If you got a guy that you feel confident with, and the year before it was, during the 12-0 season, the backup that whole year was Wiggers. Wiggers, yeah. He, he was the backup that whole season. Yeah. So you got to feel pretty confident that you have a guy there. But they went a completely different route. It was the the true freshman that was the backup in Stanley. And now here we are. And neither of them look very good, but... I personally thought that Uyghurs was the better quarterback, even though he threw two interceptions as opposed to the one. No, I got you. In the game, he looked a lot more comfortable out there, a lot more confident. Stanley, with the huge arm that he has, doesn't understand touch very well. I mean, we saw the same thing C.J. Beathard early in his career. Sure, he went through that. I mean, you you could see the big arm there, and he certainly had a stronger arm than Rudock. But it took him time yeah. to get there. Right, and I think maybe we're going through the same thing right now with Nathan Stanley. I, this is... This is going to be a conversation piece throughout the summer. I mean, Kirk's not going to come out all of a sudden, you know, <laughs> June fifteenth, and say, "Oh, we got a quarterback." Yeah, now. this is going to go all the yes. way through August camp. I yep. would guess, probably maybe two weeks before that maybe. first game against Wyoming. About it. Yeah, you're gonna you're gonna finally find out who the quarterback's going to be. But it's a real competition, something yeah. that I don't think either of us expected coming. In the I didn't think so. Uh, everybody that I had spoken to that is close to that program indicated that. Oh no, man. No, he's the guy. Mm-hmm. Stanley's the guy. Right. There, there's no question. And now all of a sudden, uh, things have changed dramatically. And so is it a good thing or bad thing? I think it's an absolutely good thing. Mm-hmm. you got to have competition in practice. Because if you don't, guys have a tendency then, ah, I already got the job. Mm-hmm. I don't. Okay, I missed a pass. No big deal. I really thought it was, hey, let's see if we can keep Uyghurs around. We'll throw him a bone here, say it's open competition. We know it's not. That's not the case at all. No, not uh, now. Completely swing and miss on yeah. that one on my part. I, I Well, that happens read, a lot on this uh, show. Well, I don't know about a lot, Jimmy. <laughs> Sometimes, maybe. <laughs> well, I'm unlike you, though. I'll, I'll at least admit what I'm wrong. Never, you on the other I hand. I never admit. Yeah, I know. We, we all know that <laughs> incredibly well. So, uh, other spring practice. You know, defense looked pretty good. Yeah. Brandon Snyder was lost with the ACL, but Jake Gervas had three interceptions in the game. I mean, he looked the part. Yeah, he was the guy. Yeah. I mean, I mean he, he's the MVP of he 
was. scrimmage. He was. <laughs> and, I mean, he really looked like you expect out of a guy, yeah. you know, at Iowa, where you sit in that safety position, you're ready to go, free safety. Mm-hmm. We've seen numerous walk-ons that have been very good. We've seen guys like Derek Pagel going way back, who ended up playing the league, Sean Considine. Right. We've seen these We've guys seen step up and do that. And, and Gervas looks like the latest in that line. Now, one thing we have to caution, though, they know what's coming. <laughs> It's it's not like it's game conditions. They've yeah. seen all these plays run before, well, so and, and, so he has a grasp of what is what's coming at him. And, and generally, it doesn't matter if you're talking I or anybody else. The yeah. defense is ahead of the offense sure at this it point. Is. But then you couple it with they're putting a new system. They are new terminology. Mm-hmm. Here's the the concern. I haven't talked much about this over the last few weeks, Jimmy B. But you remember the last time they brought in a new offensive coordinator. Uh, you mean the guy that you were so happy to see go? Yes, Greg Davis. The, the, the Texas guy? Yeah. 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 Remember, uh, you had a returning quarterback that had 27 touchdowns a year before. That is correct. In James Vandenberg. That is correct. He then proceeded to throw, what, eight touchdowns? That, that was year? about it, yeah. I mean, I've said it before, he, he should have a class action lawsuit against Greg Davis because <laughs> he cost him some money, no doubt about it. So... We saw that the transition was incredibly difficult in that first year. Correct. Are we going to be heading down the same kind of road? This I don't year? think so, and here's why: is because I think it goes back to a conversation that you and I had many, many weeks ago, and that was who's the boss? The boss is the old man. Mm-hmm. The old man's going to sign off on everything the son decides he wants to do. So, from that standpoint. This is not going to be five wide. It's not going to be no backs. It's not going to be your QB take off on a bootleg keeper around right end. No, it's going to be what you're used to seeing. Line up, try to play smash mouth, Hawkeye football. And the terminology may be a little different. They will tweak some plays. You might have some different routes. Although I don't really know who's running those routes yet. Uh, that's quite yeah. the question. Yeah. But, but, but for me, I, I don't see this like an overhaul like what Davis attempted to do when he first arrived. And Brian knows what Kirk wants. Yeah, he, yeah, you yeah know? come on. Now, I, I want to see how much is incorporated into what he learned in New England. Sure. What... He's an incredibly smart guy. He, the guy knows football. Oh, sure. And many people think that he's the guy that can get Kirk to adapt. It's not going to change, but it's going to adapt. Kirk has done that. You know, we go back to two years ago. Oh, we, were we had New about Kirk? New Kirk, yeah. <laughs> new Kirk. He is old school. He is. But he is willing to evolve. Now, you're never going to change the base principles of any, of any coach. That his, is true. His base principles are... First of all, zone blocking scheme up front. Correct. That is what you're going to do. You're not going to see them line up. You're not going to see a bunch of pulling guards. You're not going to see that. They do it on occasion, but for the most part, it is a zone Zone blocking. Zone blocking, yep. It is 50-50. It is a pro-style offense. It is 50. He wants yardage to be down the middle, 50% through the air, 50% on the ground. That is what he is going to do. But in order to get to that spot, he's willing to move, adapt, change. Look at the 2002 team. Look, Look at how high-flying that team was and the plays that they made down the mm-hmm. field. And, you know, you had receivers that could go up and do those kind of things. And and you go to 2004, their last Big Ten championship, that was a year where they didn't have a running game. They, they're down to Sam Brownlee as their running back, and he adapted. He changed it. He put the, hand, put the ball in the hands of Drew Tate and says, go make some plays for us, and he was able to do that. So this isn't a guy that is so steadfast that he's not willing to evolve. 
But it's still going to be the same base. Yeah, it is. In the end. Yeah. I, it's, and, it's, and what can Brian do? Rub routes, screens, you know, use those tight you'll, ends you'll that see, do look very good and you got a lot. Yes. Of you'll see, you'll see some, some minor tweaks to it. Wrinkles. But that's it. Yeah. That's it. It's still going to be pretty much what you have seen in the past. Right, right. I, I think the passing offense is going to look a lot different than what you've seen the last five years. It's going to look more like it did under Ken O'Keefe. Yes. Which yeah. Looked I agree. a lot different than what you see today. Right. Or over the last five years with Greg Davis. That is going to look different. But in the end, the base is going to be the same. So we had that going on, Jimmy B. Certainly talked a lot about that. Um, let's see, what else? Well, your NBA playoffs. Oh, did, yes. Did, first round, honestly. Yeah. Kind of sucked. Well, I don't know if it sucked. Oh, you, had a, come on. you had a couple of close games, but look, it is what it is. And generally, first rounds are like that in the NBA. I felt terrible for the Chicago Bulls because they went into Boston win the first two games, have the Celtics on the ropes, and then lose Rondo. Mm -hmm. And look, people said the guy's a malcontent, tough to get along with. He was playing his butt off in the playoffs, and he controlled Isaiah Thomas very well. Look, we all know what happened, the tragic loss of his sister. It was terrible. Mm -hmm. Felt so bad for that kid. And then he gets a tooth knocked out in the game yesterday. So, but... Rondo was the key to that team. They, When he could not play, they lost their confidence, they lost their swagger, and they're going to have to retool. That's that's all you can say about the Chicago Bulls. Yeah, it's. Uh, I saw earlier today they were talking about that Paxson now is going to have a little bit more control. I hope so. Of the front office. Yes. That means Gar, though he's back, it's going to be a reduced role for him. And, uh, you know, the whole Hoiberg situation... Where it's caught between a rock and a hard place. Well, not mean, the, the not really the guys that he's comfortable with, right? And with the system that he likes to run, they didn't have any three point shooters. Miritich is just okay, and that's it. They that's had McDermott. It. Well, but, but he, yeah, but he had to go on the trade, right? So they lost that aspect. They, I mean, they got they got to find a couple of guys. Look, JJ Redick is uh, a free agent. And that's a team that's retooling. And the they and the Clippers are retooling. If I'm the Bulls, I'm making a call to JJ Reddick's agent. You got to have a guy like that. And you, you you actually you'd like to have. Look at Houston. They got like four or five guys yeah. like that. Okay, that's why they're successful. And that's the kind of that's what Hoiberg likes to do. He likes to space, run to spots. Just watch. When you watch Cleveland play Toronto tonight, and Toronto does similar things that Cleveland does, watch everybody run to spots on the floor to open up the middle. Um, how do you think the freight train that is LeBron James gets loose down the center of the lane? Because it's clear. Mm -hmm. That's why. Because they make guys come out and guard them. That's the key. And Chicago just doesn't have anybody like that. And it, it's it's too bad for... Hoiberg, he went through a really, really challenging year, did get them to the playoffs, lost the key player on his team after two games and being up. So I, they're going to have to blow up and, and retool. That's all there is to it. No doubt about it. So uh, series starts tonight, Toronto-Cleveland and yep. Houston-San Antonio. Do you give the lower seed any shot in either of these series? I do not give Toronto a shot against Cleveland. I think, remember last year they played them tough? Yeah. They did. Eastern uh, Conference Finals, yeah, right? Yeah. yeah. It went six games. Uh, and it could go six again. 
I think Cleveland is just right now beginning to sort of wind into shape. Oh, they're so good offensively. They are so good. They're, de- just, they're bad defensively. Yes, but man, oh man, watch the way they move the ball. Always mm-hmm. cracks me up. I, you talk to some, I don't, I don't like the NBA. They never pass the ball. Are you kidding? <laughs> Open your eyes, you dumbass. Watch the ball movement that takes place with the teams that are left. And I talk about ball movement in Cleveland. Watch what happens with San Antonio and Houston tonight in the second game and how quickly that ball moves. You give the Rockets a shot? I do. Yeah. I do. San Antonio, games three and four in Memphis without Tony Allen, where... Now, I told you before the series, before we found out of the injury to Tony Allen, that I kind of liked him maybe to pull an upset yep, you there. Did, yep. And without Allen. No, that, that, no, that it's not going to happen. The board. But games three and four really made me uh, nervous about this San Antonio yeah. team kind of yeah. going forward. And They just don't seem to have the same firepower. Well, I mean, look around, though. I mean, Tony Parker's old. I know. He's an old. And you lose Tim Duncan. And he was old. Yeah, and yeah, you're right. Now, for Houston, they, they're trying to gain the system with a three-point shooting. They are. They're trying to fire up there and try to hit 23s a game, and we saw the Celtics hit 19 yesterday. They did. And how ridiculous it is. But that, that's what Houston does. I still don't like watching Harden play. I, I gave I, it a shot again. I know you did. Don't I, like it, yeah. I can't. I, the jumping into people, yep. the, I just, it's not, it's not that's something his, that I enjoy I know you watch. don't, but that's his style. But yeah. the thing, thing that's going to be fun in that series is when do they put Kawhi Leonard the best defensive player in the NBA. Mm-hmm. When do they put Kawhi Leonard on Harden? Do they save right. him for the fourth quarter? Like they do LeBron James, who mm-hmm. always takes the best offensive player on the other team in the fourth quarter. So I have a feeling that they will play with Houston, see where they are when they get into the fourth quarter, and then make necessary defensive adjustments. Right. I think that's how that game's going to play out. And that, that has the potential to go seven. Yeah. It really does. Yeah. Really does. It'll be fun. That, that'll probably be the series I'll be watching yeah. the most intently. Uh, Washington uh, Celtics was fun yesterday. It was. Watch yeah. that one, and uh, well, sixteen nothing. <laughs> but see, that's the. Have you ever seen that in an NBA playoff game? Though 16 I've never seen sixteen nothing. That's the beauty of the NBA. Yeah, yeah you see, teams college getting... game. Okay, game's over. Right, right. Not in the NBA. It's well, not. And I told my wife, I said, "You just watch. Yeah. This will be a close game by halftime. Yeah. It's even cl- quicker yeah. than that." Yeah. <laughs> that game. Just remember what happened when uh, when LeBron and right. the Cavs came back in the in Game Four at Indiana, down twenty five, down twenty five, and won the game. And did it without away. Kyrie and Love. Yes, going. I got away. this guy. Going you away. I got it. I'll just take over and score forty. He's so awesome. <laughs> he's, he's, he's an unbelievable so awesome. player. All right, so yeah. we're kind of running around here. We're talking about a uh, hockey game tonight. Yeah, Washington Pittsburgh. I'm a little surprised about this. I really thought this was going to be a knockdown dragout, mm-hmm. and the Penguins are up two games to none already. And now the next home. and the next two are in Pittsburgh. Right. So I, if obviously if uh, Washington has to win tonight to have any flicker of hope. Well, we have seen in the NHL you can't come you back can. from three nothing. Yes, it's you can. Easier it, than other sports. Yes, it is. It takes a hot goaltender and a little yep. momentum, but you can do it. Still, I, I'm with. I mean, yeah. down three nothing. It's the chances are incredibly slim there. I'm I'm kind of out on the hockey. I've tried. It's can't just, get in yet. Just can't. Okay. Even with the Blues, you know, it's yeah. my local team. I just yeah, no tough. Yeah. 
The Blackhawks just stunned me getting yeah. bounced, and they only scored three goals in four games. It was ugly. Boy, that was terrible. It was ugly. The Wild, I mean, they, they played well yep. in, in three of those losses they that they did. had early on. Yep. And just Couldn't win. Couldn't win. That's hockey. That's the goofiness of hockey. And then over a little baseball tonight, sure. the uh, Cubs are back in action this evening. Philadelphia. Yeah, the Phillies come in. Velasquez taking the mound. A uh, pretty good youngster, though he struggled a bit this year against Brad Anderson, who's been pretty solid yeah. for the Cubs. And uh, fun series over the weekend with the Red Sox. Yeah, I agree. You know, I, I was saying over the weekend, I, I would love to see that World Series. The historic ballparks, two great fan bases. Mm-hmm. How about the Cubs fans? How crazy were they? I mean, the, the sheer number of Cubs I, fans. I can't believe they got into Fenway. It was regular season stunning. game. They're like, hey, I'll be able to sell for a big portion of my yeah. package here. Yeah. They'll sell away. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there and were they did. thousands upon there were. thousands. It there was were. A really cool environment. You could tell it was Friday night I was watching. Okay. And uh, the chance started, let's go Cubbies. Yeah. And the Red Sox fans just started booing yeah. to draw them out. It was an unbelievable environment. For a regular season series in April, Yes, you're not going to find money better than that. Speaking of booing, before we go. Yeah. Your boy. My boy. Yeah, your boy, Mitchell Trubisky. Oh, no, 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 no. And... Not my boy. I cannot believe the guy hasn't even put on a jersey yet, and he gets introduced at the Bulls game, and they boo the hell out of him. Right? Do they think, what, it's not his fault? <laughs> Jesus. Give the guy a chance to throw a pass before you boo him. Well, Mike Glennon, he's getting, uh, he's saying oh. negative things already. Already. You talk about a disaster. I saw, uh, sum up the draft in one word. I okay. saw somebody tweet this out. Deplorable? Uh, well, just just overall. And they replied back, Chicago Browns. <laughs> That's what it feels like after this weekend for the Bears. Your boy, Chris Andrews, out yeah. at the South Point, tweeted out the uh, beginning lines. Mm-hmm. Over-under for the Bears, five. I'll take the under. Five games to win. I'll That's take it. the under. Five games. Oh, man. I felt bad. for you when, was... I, when I saw that. And not only that, they traded up a spot to get to him. Oh, I talked oh. about it Friday, Jimmy B. It I know just, you did. It was so frustrating. Yeah. It really was. And and they got fleeced to move up one They spot. did get I, fleeced. I, it feels that way. I guess that John Lynch guy in San Francisco is not as dumb as everybody uh, said he was just being a broadcaster, huh? Maybe, maybe. I mean, well... He fleeced the Bears really well. It felt that way. I just... I didn't love what they did overall. It seemed like... They were trying to get a little cutesy at times. Yeah. A couple of D2 kids. I, Ryan Pace, his, everything is on the line for him of what happens with Mitch Trubisky. I mean, that, that is going to determine what's going to happen with his right. regime. They go 4-12 and this year. John Fox will get the X, and he'll have one more year, yep. one more opportunity. And then you're going to be bringing in a new staff that didn't want Mitchell Trubisky. I know. And you're, you're going to go down that road. Hey. He did all the work. Yeah. So give the guy, I guess, the benefit of the doubt. But on the surface, I, I hated everything that they did. You know I was a big Deshaun Watson fan. I know you were. I wanted him to sit through. I, just and I Watson. liked him, too. Yep. But uh, they went down this road. We'll see. And and the Bears and Bulls and everybody else fans that were booing the kid, uh, he's going to learn. It's a little bit different <laughs> than North Carolina. Boy, you got that right. That is but a I city. will say this. There are players that went to, when you talked about how they went small schools, mm-hmm. um, that guy, Kenny Anderson, who went to Augustana as a quarterback, had a long career with the Bengals in the NFL. That was 45 years ago? I'm just saying here. 
How yeah. about how about uh, the guy? Uh, I think Sweetness was his nickname. Mm-hmm. Went to small school, he little Walter Payton. It there. was also a different time. Okay. How about uh, oh? Let's just go one double A. Uh, there was a running back who happened to be the best running back in the state of Iowa that Iowa and Iowa State didn't recruit. And now he's going to be an all-pro. His name is David Johnson. Right. right. Okay. I mean, look. There are you pl- can find my, those guys. My, my I, point I, is there, there, there's guys that will show up and be great. You can, you can find those Always. guys. I'm not disagreeing at that point. Yes. But to do it twice in a draft. I know. To do it I as know. early as they did. It, yeah. It seemed like a stretch. Gotcha. We'll see. Ryan Pace is putting it all out on the line. And he's doing it with Mitchell Trubisky. You know why it's not Mitch anymore? Why it's Mitchell? Why? Why, why he wants to go by Mitchell? Why? That's what his mom calls him. Oh, his mom calls him Mitchell? So Everybody w- called him Mitch, so then he said, hey, mom calls me Mitchell, I'm yep. going with that. So call me that. Oh, good for mom. Yeah. We are done for the day, everybody. We are out of here, Jimmy B. So you're watching NBA tonight, I'm going to guess, on your gonna, satellite. I'll be uh refreshment stand. Oh, really? Hockey on one channel. Yeah. NBA on the other. Cubs on the other. All right. So I'll be I'll be locked and loaded. So even after a vacation, it's still right back to the ball. Oh yeah, that a boy. No, it never it never leaves. I'm always in the middle of something. <laughs> we'll talk to you tomorrow to, at noon. It's always good to be in the saddle. I figure. I figure. I'm sure you probably had a couple cocktails <laughs> when you were away too. I'm gonna guess. A uh, big thank you to Tom Caker for joining us today. Sean Tomlinson on the NFL. We talked some Bulls and NBA with Michael Whitlow and Evan Western on the Packers. If you miss any portion of the show, you can always check it out on our podcast page. Just go over 1700 KBGG and find it there. Jimmy B, we'll talk to you tomorrow at noon. We're out of here, everybody. To women who hoped to evade the ticking clock of time, Dr. Frederick Brandt was the most potent drug dealer in the world. And the dealer got high on his own supply. From Imperative Entertainment and the team behind Broken Hearts comes a new series that will challenge everything you know about fame, fortune, and the fear of growing old. I'm Justine Harmon, and this is The Baron of Botox.